0: Hey Church of the Beloved, my name is Kevin Zou and I'm the production manager here at COTV. just wanted to say a quick thanks for tuning in to our weekly sermon podcast. This week's message is brought to us by our interim senior pastor, Abe Lee. He is preaching from Luke chapter 1, verses 67 through 80. I want to start with a question. Have you ever had a really weird day at work? you know you you start off pretty well you you get to you get to your work and you uh you, you got lucky you've you've been tasked with this very important responsibility and in your mind you're thinking you know if i do this well who knows i could get a raise or promotion or something regardless everyone is now depending on you because you are the me- or me- the you are the human you are the human that everyone is looking at everyone's waiting for because you have the most important job right now it's going to be a good day That's what you're thinking. And then suddenly something very weird happens. Something that you are not trained for. Something that you did not expect. Well, maybe in the back of your mind, you thought maybe this is something that could possibly happen. But really, no. It shouldn't. This is no way. And then it does. And your day just gets really strange. Just very weird. That's the backstory of today's pop song, today's poem of praise. Zechariah has a really strange day at work. So today is the third week of Advent, and I will say it's only the second message in our pop music series, our poems of praise series, and I'll be very honest with you, there's no good reason for the discrepancy in the dates. Uh, I just wanted to take a couple weeks off uh, before we got into this sermon series, and uh, and I kind of wanted the last message uh, of this Advent series, which is Simeon's song. I wanted it to be after Christmas because that's when it happened. Simeon sang his song uh, in the temple after Jesus was born. And Pastor Otuah, he's going to be coming in on that last Sunday of the year, the day after Christmas, to, to share with us about Simeon's song. And another extremely unimportant reason, and I say unimportant because it is, for this discrepancy in timing is because of this. I just wanted something we control to be a little bit later than where everything else starts for Christmas. I don't know if you've noticed this, but I felt like the Christmas songs and the sales and everything else start after Halloween honestly. Like Opal, I think she put up her Christmas decorations last year. She was just ready for Christmas. And i I love Christmas. I think it's fun. It's festive. And I just, it's the greatest time of the year. But I just wanted something that we control to be a little bit later. So I wanted to start this in December. But regardless, through the month of December, we're looking at our at four poems or poems of praise, pop songs that announced the coming of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And last week, we looked at Mary's song, the Magnificat. Today, we're looking at Zechariah's song, the Benedictus. Now, uh, let me explain. Benedictus is, in Latin, the first line of the poem that we're looking at. Benedictus Deus Israel, or Blessed Be the Lord God of Israel. So the name of this pop song, this poem of praise, it comes from the very first word, of the song, of John's song, uh, John's dad's song, Zechariah. Now, what I, what I want to do is I want to look at that weird day at work because that leads us to the song, Zechariah's weird day. So we've got this amazing older couple. We've got Zechariah and Elizabeth, or I'm going to use Zach and Liz because otherwise it's just really long. They're a faithful couple. They love God. They are working hard, and they're serving Him. But their friends kind of pitied them. Because they didn't have any kids. And I'll tell you, I, 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 honestly, my wife and I, we know how that feels. See, when Suzanne and I, we have to explain that we cannot have children, we immediately get this look from older folks who have kids and like, oh, you poor thing. And I know it's not intended to be mean or condescending. It's just a natural reaction. I get it. People want their friends. You you want the people that you like or you care for, that you respect. You want them to have the good things that you have, right? And so it's like like when a couple looks at a single friend and they think, oh, you poor thing, can I set you up with someone? Or, Or it's like when your pet owner looks at a person who's not a pet owner and they think, oh, you poor thing, you need to feel the joy of walking behind a quadruped and picking up their poop. No, I really don't. It's okay. But, I, but I'll tell you, I, I think Zach and Liz, they're doing fine. They were doing well. In verse 6, this is what it says. It that they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. They, Zach and Liz were content. They were living the life God had ascribed to them. They were living it faithfully. They were fine. And then, Zach has it, That's a weird day at work. One that would change his life forever. Now, I'll tell you, Zach was a priest. And at that time, there were more priests than there were duties to do or complete in the temple. So we're we're talking about a situation where the most important job that was available to the priest, which was the lighting of the incense that represented uh, raising the people's prayers to God. This was the most sought after job. So they would draw straws to do that. And as I was preparing, I was trying to think of what would the equivalent be here at Beloved? You know, would it be scripture reading or maybe maybe leading the corporate or community prayer? Could it be making announcements or being the sound person or being the camera person? You know, what would be the most important job here that people would fight to do it? And then I thought, there isn't one. There's no. I mean, it would be awesome if people were willing to wanted to serve so much they would they would draw straws just to see who would have the right and the privilege to do it. Maybe one day, maybe we'll get there. But I'm going to take a tangent here, and I'm going to uh, take a moment to plug all the ministries here at our little church at Beloved. See, the truth of the matter is. We may not be fighting for uh, the opportunity to serve, but we really could use all of your support, all the Mike's, all the Hannah's, all the Chris's, all the Aaron, well, we only have one Aaron, but all of you, we really could love to have each and every one of you step up, whether it's in front of the house or backstage, wherever, we would love to be able to have your support because uh, we need it in everything we do as our little church from small groups to, to children's ministry to, to video production to, to just welcoming people into our local embassy. If you're, if you're already serving, thank you so much. We have a little gift for you, those of you who are serving. But if you're not, I'm going to ask if you would potentially consider it. You know, talk to any of the staff. Talk to me. We can help figure out what might be a great fit for you. Because we're family here, and we would love to have everyone actively engaged as part of it. Let me get off that tangent uh, and get back to Zach's weird day here. Now, I do this thing. And I've been doing it for years. When it's time to pray, uh, like for a meal, I'll play rock, paper, scissor. In Korean, it's called kaya bae And I'll always declare loser praise. And then Suzette would correct me all the time. She says, no, it's a privilege to pray. Sam Wang, actually, we are diaconate dinner. We, he did the same thing to me. He said, oh, it's always a privilege to praise. So now, Kai Bible, winner praise, right? So Zach is excited because he won the draw. He had the important, most sought-after job, winner praise for the people. Reading verses 8 and 9, this is what it says there. It says, now, while he was serving as a priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, He was chosen by Lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. Like I said, burning incense, it represents raising up the prayers of the people, of the beloved to God. Now, Zach doesn't realize it yet, but that huge honor is about to get weird. In verses 11 to 17, reading on, this is what it says. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled. When he saw him and fear fell upon him. I'm still amazed by this. Last week I mentioned this. The natural human tendency, the reaction to emissaries of God showing up to talk to you, is, rarely is it excitement or joy. It's always fear. Uh, or or it's, it's like this moment where they think, oh crap, what did I do wrong? Kind of thing. And it's like a squirrel suddenly seeing a human being and they just freeze and they don't know what to do, they just stare. And that's Zechariah's reaction. His reaction to Gabriel showing up is like, oh, what did I do wrong? And if we continue on to verse 13, you'll see this. The angel tells him, you're fine. The angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. You shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth for, for he will be great before the Lord. And as a priest, he should have, but he doesn't get the full implication of what Gabriel has just told him, right? Not initially, at least. See, Gabriel is telling Zach that he's going to be the father, the dad of the messianic forerunner. Scripture, it tells us that, that uh, there's going to be somebody who shows up right before the Messiah, someone who's going to set us up, someone who's going to get us ready for the Savior of the world. In Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3 to 5, this is what it says. A voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. This is about the messianic forerunner. It's about the prophet that comes before the Messiah. In Malachi chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. And the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. Again, This is a foretelling of the messianic forerunner, somebody who's going to prepare the way for the Messiah. Malachi chapter 4 verse 5 says, Behold, I will send you Elijah, the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. These are all passages that Zach, as a priest of God, these are all prophecies that Zachariah should have been and would have been familiar with. He, sh- he should have fully comprehended that this baby that he and his wife, Liz, were about to have in less than a year now, this miraculous baby that would be named John, the angel was telling him that this was going to be the guy, that this was going to be the messenger, the one that would be, uh, who would come with the power of Elijah to proclaim the coming of the king that Israel has been waiting for for centuries. But that's not what Zechariah focuses on. This weird day at work for Zach, a day that started really well, changed from about being him lifting up the prayers of the beloved to becoming all about him and his limitations. Zechariah, he forgot that God has not sent any. Prophets, any messages about the coming of the Messiah for 400 years. It's been 400 silent years. There hasn't been a word about the Messiah's coming. And Zach could not fathom that this angelic messenger from God was telling him that the hype man for the Messiah was going to be his kid. He's not grasping the enormity of this weird day. Instead, he starts looking at himself. In verse 18... It says and Zechariah, said to the angel, how shall I know this? I'm an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. Zechariah's response is thinking, really? Now? You're going to answer that prayer I made now? That's a little 2000 and late. You know, I prayed for that years ago. Elizabeth, she can't have kids anymore. She's a little too old. I'm too old. Time's gone. So Zechariah, unlike Mary last week, He's focused on his own situation, not God's sovereignty. He's focused on his own circumstances, not God's capacity and capability. I'll tell you, this is not the main point of today's message. It's not the point of this passage in general, but I think it's something that we should and could consider from Zechariah's experience, and that this is it. God always answers prayer. Whether his answer is yes or no or not yet, he always answers, and is always going to be in the right time and in the right way. It may not be necessarily our time or our way, and Zach forgot this. And so this weird day Zachariah is having just gets weirder. In verse 19 to 23, this is what it says. It says, the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you good news. And behold, you you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place because you you do not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah and they were wondering at this delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them. And they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs to them and remained mute and When his time of service was ended, he went to his home i have to I have to imagine I really hope that the nine months that zachariah uh, his unable inability to talk, I hope it was good for elizabeth I really do i wonder you know I have to wonder whether or not that made him the best listener that Liz ever had in her life because you know, we know that there wasn't anything else wrong. We know he could hear. We could, He was fine, I think. If you read through this, it says that he didn't go home right away after uh, coming out of the temple. It was He kept on working. So when his time of service ended, that's when he went home. So ultimately, he was just fine. He just couldn't talk. And so I really hope that because all Zach could do for her entire pregnancy was be a listening ear, I hope that's what he was. Because... Zach had a really weird day at work, and then he went home, and then he had time. He had time to be with his wife, Elizabeth. He had time to consider the words that Gabriel had shared, and he had time to finally realize the enormity of what he had been told by Gabriel. You know, there was obviously some sort of communication going on between him and Elizabeth because later on she knows uh, what Gabriel had told them. Name the baby John. So they were finding ways to communicate as Zach was processing everything he had just been just experienced. And I have this image. I was imagining this as I was preparing for today. This image of Zach and Liz just sitting there. And he's writing out the word Isaiah in the sand. And Liz, she either grabs like a scroll or maybe she has it memorized. And somehow he ends up pointing to the passage that we know as Isaiah 40 verse 3. And he points to that passage and he he motions for Liz. Will you read it out loud? And so she reads, a voice cries. In the wilderness, prepare a way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. And as she's reading this passage, I imagine Zach just walking behind her, rubbing her stomach and smiling and indicating to his beloved wife, Liz, That's going to be our kid. That's going to be our son. I don't know what those nine months look like. I don't. But I have a feeling it was a time of deep contemplation. I have a feeling it was a time of deep consideration because when John came into the world, both he, Zach, and Liz proclaimed, his name is John. And the song that came out of Zach's mouth, that poem of praise, was monumental. That was the setting. That's the story behind Zach's song. Because what I want to do is I want to spend this last bit of time actually looking at that song. Focusing on what Benedictus is. The poem of praise that came out of Zachariah's mouth. Because these were the very first words that Zachariah is able to speak after nine months of silence. And it's a worship song. It's a worship song to our God and our King, Benedictus Deus Israel, blessed be the Lord God of Israel. And here's the first truth that I see that I focus on for today's pop song. And it's in the verse preceding the actual poem of praise in verse 67. It says this, And his father, Zacharias, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Zach's words of encouragement, his poem of praise, They came out because he was filled with the Holy Spirit. It is by the work of God in his life. It is by the machinations of the Spirit within us. It is by this that we, just like he, can see the truth of God's redemption plan. That we can see the Messiah in the midst of the mess. The beauty of God, the beauty of the body of Christ, the beauty of our Father's design And his plan is understood when we allow ourselves to be filled with the Spirit of God. Instead of running, uh, you know, turning inward and focusing on himself like Zach did in the beginning, uh, or like Zachariah moved from an I-can't-do-this mentality to a God-can, when he finally understood it's not about him anyway. It's all about God using him to usher in the time of the Savior of the world. It's about him being used for the kingdom of God. Because the reality of redemption breaks through when we let the Spirit speak and when we actually start to listen. That's the first truth that I see from this poem. The second one is this in today's pop song. It's in verses 68 to 75. And thank you, Sarah, again for reading that for us here. You see in 68 to 75, Zechariah paints this ancient picture. It has illusions of Israel's exodus out of Egypt to, to worship based on God's mercy, a direct reference to the messianic promise of a horn from the line of King David, a strong and divine king coming to save the world. And this stanza of Zach's pop song, it reminds the listener of the amazing works that God's already done to prepare us for what God is doing and what God's about to do. Zachariah moved from an I can't to a God can mindset by realizing that he, that we, can better see what God is doing by remembering what God has already done. It's the last observation I have from Zach's pop song. Is that even the birth of his miracle child, what would have likely been the most significant event of his life, that birth was viewed by Zechariah from a gospel-centered perspective. In verses 76 and 77, this is what it says. It says, and you, speaking of John, and you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High. For you will go before the Lord and prepare his ways to give knowledge of salvation to his people and the forgiveness of their sins. Zechariah is talking about his brand new baby boy, his son in the context of the Messiah. See, Zechariah understands, realizes that at the heart of understanding what God has done so that we can see what God is doing and will do, at the heart of letting the Spirit of God consume us so that we can truly see the work of the Father, at the heart of that is a need to focus on the person of the gospel, on the Messiah who is on his way. In verses 78 and 79, Zechariah promises that the the morning is coming, that the light is entering into the world, that the Son of God is coming, that He is going to be a lamp to our feet. The Messiah is going to push back the shadow of death. The Savior is going to illuminate and bring light to those who no longer want to sit in the darkness. Zechariah understands and proclaims that God has fulfilled the promises that He's been making since the start of it all. The promise that God would make a way for all those who will follow him. Because God loved each of us, so loved each of us. God loves those he created in his image. And this includes every single person sitting in this room right now, every single person listening online, every single person not listening online, every single person who hates the church. God loves every single one of us so much that he made it super easy for us To draw near to him by making it super hard for the Messiah. He made Jesus enter the world who knew no sin to take on my sin and your sin. So that we could be seen righteous in God's eyes. The only eyes that matter if we will accept him. See by the power of the spirit of God. Zechariah understood and understands the significance and the perfection of God's plan. But considering what God has already done to prepare us for what God is about to do and is doing right now, Zach moves from an I can't to a but God can mindset. And at the center of it all is this truth, is the gospel incarnate. It is Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. I want to end with something that's in the middle of the song. It's a call to action that Zachariah sings. It's a response for all those who have been delivered From the hands of the enemy. And this is what it says right in the middle. It says grant us that we. Being delivered from the hand of our enemies. Might serve him without fear. In holiness and righteousness. Before him all our days. God freed the Israelites from Egypt. So they could worship Jehovah. In the same way we the beloved are called. To the upside down kingdom as redeemed people. We are called to worship without fear. We are called to worship together as a new community, as a new body, as a new people, as new creations. The flock of God are awaiting the return of our Savior one day. And we know with His return, we are promised eternal life in a new city where peace and justice will reign where, where words like patriarchy, misogyny, racism, hunger, abuse, trauma, these are, no, these are words that are history now, not news like they are now. Zechariah's song reminds us that God has, God is fulfilling the promise that he made to Abraham centuries earlier. It's a proclamation. This song is a proclamation of how, through the work of the Holy Spirit, we can understand the past works of God, So we can look forward to and understand the current and future work of God. It's a song that reminds us that God's compassion and His grace and His faithfulness is real and is alive. It was alive then and is still alive now. And that it's not by our work, it's not by our effort, but by faith alone in Christ alone that we are redeemed. It's so that we can proclaim right now, Benedictus Deus Israel. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel. Will you pray with me? Thank you for tuning in to this week's COTB Sermon Podcast. For more info or to connect with us, you can visit our website at cotb.life. God bless and have a great week.